Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello and welcome to episode number one of my new podcast, The Philip Wiley Show. And uh, I'm very excited to have my good friend Don Donzel joining me today to kick off the, the series. Don and I first connected through EHNet, his online cybersecurity, mostly offensive security community back in the day. And we got to meet for the first time during the 2019 RSA, which, you know, we're recording this the week of RSA. So what a what a better time. So it's kind of like our official friend anniversary. So uh, welcome to the show, Don. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm honored that you would consider me for the very first show and congratulations on the new podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you on because I've got to to be part of your your webinars in the past. So uh, I couldn't think of someone better to join, especially some of the new things that have been going on in your life, just what you've meant to the community before you have how you've helped others. And you helped me. I mean, I met I found out about Jason Haddix through EHNet as well as Chris Gates and a lot of other people that I look up to and kind of my heroes in cybersecurity. So very great to have you on. And it was great seeing you at uh, Hack SpaceCon. It was great hanging out there. Oh, it was. Um, and in fact, I, I meant it seriously when I posted on LinkedIn some of my thoughts about Hack SpaceCon and how uh, spending time with you, not only being a friend, but we've had a number of uh, private conversations offline. So I truly view you as a confidant as well. So um, I, I appreciate the intro and I, I value your friendship deeply. Same here. Same here. You're one of my, my best all time best friends. So it's good to have you on. So why don't you share with our, our listeners uh, your background, kind of how you got started and where you kind of where you are in your career? Ah, well, how far back do we want to go? So um, <laughs> let's, I'll, I'll try and keep it short, but we'll, we'll go pretty far back. So I was very young when I first got into computers. I remember my stepdad um, had actually an Osborne One. So it was a portable computer, but it was like a giant suitcase. So you, this big giant thing would just plop on the desk and then you would up, unhook these massive clips, which made it really look like a suitcase, and it would drop the keyboard down. And in the front, it had two uh, two floppy drives, and they were five and a quarter floppy drives. So one would actually have your operating system, which at the time was CPM, and then the other one would have your program. So whether it was a spreadsheet program, word processor, whatever it was, um, but there was no internal hard drive. So you actually saved your files on those floppies as well. Um, and it had this teeny tiny little screen. And I remember the big option was it didn't just come with green text. You could get amber. But we had the <laughs> green one. So, um, But I did everything from bulletin boards to phone freaking to um, you know building some, uh, some of the rainbow boxes that hooked up to the phone system. Uh, you know, built some of those to make some free phone calls to my, to my friends who lived in a long distance zip code which uh, again, probably dates, dates me at least. <laughs> we had to pay long distance back then. Um, but I was always interested in computers and messing with them. Um, and I remember the very first, I don't know if you want to get into this, but the very first hack that I ever did, um, I, I did a little war dialing 
and I found um, I, I found an open line. So I logged in just to see what I could do. And back then there wasn't a username or a password. Just if you could call in and connect, then you're in. But as you know, almost like the movie War Games, you start typing in commands um, to try and figure out well, what kind of system am I on? Because it didn't have a banner or anything like that. It just had a prompt. Well, long story short, I figured out that it was actually the computer that ran the scrolling light screen for the basketball stadium for the university that was in my in my town at that time. And sure enough, I, I typed in a message and then my stepdad, who was actually uh, very supportive of this stuff and, and didn't think that it was, you know, breaking the law or anything, he was excited. So we hopped in the car, we went to go check it out. And sure enough, my message was up there. So, of course, um, and this is uh, a good lesson to learn, is that being um, always open to share and, and always wanting to be part of the community, I actually shared what I had done, and I did a little write-up for my what I thought was a private group um, in a bulletin board system. Um, and sure enough, the next time I go on to go see you know, what's up, to see if, if they've closed their holes or whatever, I see all kinds of stupid messages like Bobby loves Sue and, you know, bite me and all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> and then sure enough, it was like a week or so later that uh, they, they closed it down. I, I couldn't get back on again. So um, that was my very first hack. And it just it, it set in motion um, me being a system admin. So I'll fast forward a whole bunch of years and my first real job in IT was as a uh, systems administrator for a psych hospital. So I ran not only all of the um, computer systems, but I was also in charge of the phone systems. Um, you know, one thing led to another, and I've had some different breaks in my life and made some very interesting life choices, which we can get into. Um, but I did some independent consulting with some other, um, you know, smaller networking jobs. I got involved in um, helping some people with their, uh, technical projects that weren't necessarily computer involved, but a lot of AV stuff. Um, eventually, I became a director of IT at a university. So that was the University of Illinois at Chicago, um, here in my hometown of Chicago. Um, then eventually what I did was, I was always the guy that had a ton of experience and knew how to do a bunch of stuff. And even though I didn't specifically have a security title, obviously, you know, security was part of my job. Um, and you probably know this um, from being somewhat in my age range. Um, but if you were the computer guy, nobody had a, a security title back then. And they needed somebody to perform security tasks. They're like, oh, well, you know computers. So you're the guy. Um, so I kind of had that as well. And of course, my, uh, my little hacking adventures when I was younger, um, it was always an interest of mine. Um, and so what I did was um, I wanted to figure out how can I advance my career even more because I don't have a, a degree, I don't have certifications, I don't, um, I don't have any of that stuff, so I didn't have letters after my name, but uh, I, I was always the go-to guy and I knew a ton of stuff. So how could I boost my own resume in order to make myself look more impressive and maybe get raises and that, that kind of stuff. So the very first thing that I created was an online magazine called um, the, it was called CSP or Certified Security Professional. 
where I took all of the research that I had done on courses and certifications and books, and I started publishing it. Well, at the very same time, I created, um, or I shouldn't say created yet, but I actually bought the domain name for ethicalhacker.net. Now, stupid me, I'm thinking, well, I'm doing this broad thing on security, and I kind of like hacking, so I'm thinking ethical hacking is a subset of the rest of security, which is logical, and that kind of makes sense, and we still kind of look at it that way. But from a marketing perspective, what ended up happening was I got CSP Magazine off and running, and I actually launched that at a SANS Institute event in San Diego like 20 years ago. <laughs> so once that got up and running and I kind of knew what I wanted to do, then I was like, all right, now it's time to expand my little business and let's create this thing called the Ethical Hacker Network. And sure enough, it just took off. So um, eventually what I did was I couldn't run both at the same time. So I kind of took the content from CSP Magazine, converted it over to the Ethical Hacker Network. And then that's kind of where the Ethical Hacker Network was born and, and how it took off and how I eventually met guys like, like you. And as you mentioned, Jason Haddix and uh, and Chris Gates and, and a whole bunch of other fantastic people. Um, in fact, one of those was somebody that I met at that very first event that I did CSP Magazine for um, when I launched it at a SANS event. And I met Ed Scotus. And a lot of people remember the Ethical Hacker Network or EHNet, as you called it, which we called it for short. Um, I hosted um, his hacking challenges for a number of years, including his Christmas challenge. Um, so coming full circle, it was great to see you and Ed and Jason and, and everybody else at Hack SpaceCon um, just this past weekend. That was a, a, a fantastic event. Uh, great to catch up with everybody. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more, but that's probably more than you bargained for. So I'll ask <laughs> the next question. No, very, very valuable information. is And it's interesting enough, I mean, you'd... You were the one that introduced me to Ed Scotus during DerbyCon in 2019, the last DerbyCon. So that's who I originally met Ed through. Yeah, it's just funny how those circles are. And in fact, the last DerbyCon, um, I brought my son to. And um, you can probably see up here that, you know, the little Marine sign, very proud dad, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's a Marine. And, uh, but that was his very first con. And to not only um, be at a table having lunch with the likes of you and Eric Crone, But later we had uh, a private dinner with Ed Scotus. Um, uh, Ryan was there. A whole bunch of other people were there. It was, it was so, it was so much fun. Um, especially seeing how my son just kind of uh, embraced the environment. Um, so much so that he not only went up and introduced himself to Dave Kennedy, but then also trolled him on social media about clown. So, <laughs> Dave, sorry about that, but all in good fun. Actually, Dave is always a good sport about it. Um, but yeah, the last DerbyCon was was a, a pretty cool event. Yeah, and for for our listeners that don't know of Don, he's pretty well known in the in the community in cybersecurity, of course, from building his own, but from working for eLearn security and uh, just hosting events. And you even, you even founded and ran your own conference. I did. Um, so that was quite some time ago. So in, from 2007 to 2009, I actually ran um, a, an event that I called Chicago con four different times. We had originally planned on doing a, a fall and a spring event. And this was, 
so long ago that there were no such things as villages outside of DEF CON. They didn't start popping up at all the other cons and traveling. Um, so you, you didn't have like an open call for villages. Um, but the other thing was I wanted it to be a lot more professional. So I was one of the first ones to also have training to go along with an event. Um, but as, uh, as life tends to happen, um, uh, my, my son that I mentioned that is, a uh, uh not only a Marine, but a, a huge success now. Um, <laughs> something I didn't share with you um, publicly, Phil, I shared with you privately. Um, and I don't want to get too much into it, but again, proud dad. Um, when I was at Hack Space Con and I got home, there's a letter in the mail from his commanding officer saying that he got promoted to Lance Corporal. Um, and at that same time, I got an update on my daughter's grades and she now has straight A's. So awesome. for, forgive the, the little sidebar there. No problem. Um, but I remember not only the um, him and my daughter was so young at the time, she was barely even walking, um, but they were at Chicago Con. Um, but after running that for a few years, um, it just had some issues that I had to take care of personally. And so I decided to kind of drop some certain projects um, because I needed to stay at home and be a stay at home dad. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, I actually had the Ethical Hacker Network running. Um, I had uh, successfully run four different Chicago Con events, and I was right in the process of launching another project um, called DIY STEAM. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the acronym STEM, and STEAM is putting the A in there, and the A is for adding arts and creativity into the technical STEM fields. And so I was always a lifelong learner. And so I wanted to take my uh, all my research, just like I had done for CSP Magazine and the Ethical Hacker Network, but all the research that I had done on trying to teach myself and my kids everything in the STEM fields, um, not only as a hobby, but to help them with their uh, grade school activities at the time and turn it into almost like a DIY kind of thing. And so I created something called DIY STEAM. Um, and unfortunately, because I made that a priority in my life, which is being a dad and, uh, really just w wanting to put them first. So I decided to drop, um, Chicago con and as well as DIY steam. And I kept the ethical hacker network going because not only was it already up and running, but it was something that I could do at any time during the day. Um, I could do it in the middle of the night if I felt like it. I could write or edit. Um, I could send off emails for sponsors or curating writers. Um, so those are all things that was, it, it made it uh, an, an easier decision to keep that because it was so flexible. So then I became a stay-at-home, work-from-home dad. Um, so that, that was kind of the, the impetus, not only behind running ChicagoCon, but also um, why it's not around anymore. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, it goes to say how successful you must have been with EH, EHNet to be able to to work work from home and and just do that and take care of your kids. That's pretty amazing. Thank you, thank you so much. And yeah, it was um, uh, it was a labor of love. I mean, I, I I still love it to this day, even though I I don't own it anymore. Um, and unfortunately, it's uh, it, it's not live. But you know what? Such is life. Um, yep. I made the decision to eventually sell it to eLearn Security, which in turn they got acquired 
And unfortunately, even though we had some incredibly successful webinars, as you were one of them, I mean, we had thousands of attendees every single month. We did one of our monthly webinars on topics on everything you could think of and had just um, amazing guests, um, you know, from you and John Hammond and, uh, you know, uh, Alyssa, a whole bunch of different people. They were uh, a ton of fantastic people uh, that we had on, on the webinar, um, you know, but that's the way life goes sometimes. Yeah, so some people may have not seen you. It's it's good to see you plug back into the community because I know you kind of took a sabbatical and you kind of limited your social media and all that. <laughs> and so it's good to see you back at the conferences and stuff. So I know you just recently shared at HackspaceCon about your sabbatical. So why don't we dive into that and you kind of share share how about your sabbatical? I, I did. So yeah, I was lucky enough to be contacted by Ken, one of the um, organizers of HackspaceCon. And at first I was very hesitant about doing something because he said, look, I, I don't care what it is. You know, it's just, is there some way that you can be involved? Um, and as you mentioned, I had taken a break for quite some time and I wasn't even on social media for the better part of a year, um, which I highly recommend. It's good for the soul. <laughs> we all know what social media can do sometimes, um, especially if you don't keep that kind of balance in life. But um so Ken contacted me, but I was very nervous because not only have I been out of the you know, scene for over a year, um, but you know I didn't have a, a topic that I was studying, nothing that I was researching. I didn't have something that you know I was tinkering with on the side. Um, so I didn't have a technical presentation to give. Um, I also didn't want to give anything on you know careers and stuff because I basically put my career on hold. So what kind of advice am I going to give somebody? So then it finally hit me and it's like, well, wait a minute. I went on sabbatical for a reason. Um, it didn't start off as me planning the sabbatical, but that's what it ended up being. And I learned a ton of life lessons while I was taking a break. And so I decided, you know what, let me, let me contact Ken, um, see if he and Dan and the rest of the crew would still be willing to accept me, even though it was only a few weeks before the event. So I came up with the idea of doing a talk called Me Time. It's okay to take a break from it all. And they loved the idea. I mean, it was not only about um, taking a break and going on sabbatical, but it was about burnout. It was about having, you know, a, a sense of purpose in your life, how to find that sense of balance. What does that mean to you? What I did would be very different from what you might do. Um, and so... I, it really wasn't even necessarily a framework in that talk on how to find, you know, the, the answers of life, you know, but because I can't find those answers. Honestly, I don't even know if I found the answers for myself, but I did find um, some of the answers of what I felt that I needed in my life, what I was lacking in my life. Um, I, I rekindled my love of the STEM topics. So I did a ton of studying of mathematics and physics, um, astronomy. I, I got into meditation. I, I work out probably at least five or six times a week. Um, so I got my entire mind, body, and spirit to a place that I found to be very comfortable. And I found my own sense of peace and calm, which in the end, is what I found that not only did I crave and that I needed, but something that I, I, I find that 
it's really comfortable and something that I need to seek out on a daily basis. That's good, good advice to share because, you know, as high stress as cybersecurity. I apologize, but I'm not hearing you. Okay. Can there you, you go. Okay. So yeah, that's one of the, one of the things that uh, you're bringing up that, that's, that's good is the sabbaticals, the mental health, because a lot of people are starting to see some talks on, on burnout and stuff. Our good friend, Chloe Mistagi does some talks on that, but just learning to deal with that stuff, you know, because one of the things, especially our generation, you know, you didn't, you're, you were not supposed to be weak or a wimp. You didn't <laughs> oh, admit, yeah. admit weakness or admit you're having troubles. And so I think it's really great that you're sharing about your sabbatical because mental health is very, very important. Cause you get one of the things you got to think about is our body and our stress levels, all this, our mind is what we make money off of. And if this, life support system for that's not functioning well, you're not going to think well. You know what? You're absolutely right. And um, again, you know, men of our age, as they say, um, we always grew up saying, you know what? Be self-sufficient, be strong, be the provider. Um, and nobody ever said, you know, be vulnerable, show your emotions, um, tell people you love them, that you appreciate them. And definitely, don't ask for help. I mean, it's a cliche when they say, oh, well, you're on a trip somewhere and you don't know where you are. Well, no way am I asking for help. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but that's something else that I've learned. And maybe that's something that we're grabbing also. You and I had a conversation about this as well. Maybe that's something that we're also learning from the younger generation and how to incorporate that into our lives. But there were plenty of times where, you know, I did not ask for help. And I probably should have. And it really wasn't until I was in probably my, oh, I, I don't want to say late 30s. I think it was actually my early 40s to where I finally started asking for help. Um, huge shout out to a really good friend of mine, Raph Loss. Um, I remember when I was going through some difficult times, and you, you probably know this, you know, whenever we have a void in our life, human beings tend to fill that void because as we know, nature abhors a vacuum. But what we normally do as humans is we don't put something positive in there. It's usually either something negative or we take a step back as opposed to a step forward. So I'm thinking, you, you know what? I'm, I'm between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, I, well, I'll just be blunt. Everybody knows I'm kind of an open book, but I was going through a divorce at the time. Um, and I had kind of shut down the ethical hacker network because um, I was going to go back to school. And then this happened. And so instead of going back to school, I said, you know what? I need to go get a job again. And I don't necessarily think that I have the time to rebuild the ethical hacker network in the way that would save my ass in enough time. <laughs> so I contacted RAF and I uh, finally, I was just in one of those positions where it was like, you know what? I, I need to stop thinking, well, I'm just going to go get some small little job somewhere just so I can pay the bills. You know what? I, I, I do have some value. I do have something that I can offer the industry still, even though the ethical hacker network is not running anymore. And so I called him up and I said, you know what? You always promised me that if I ever needed anything or something went wrong with the ethical hacker network, whatever it was, call me and I'll help you. And, you know, he, 
he followed through. He, he came through for me and he got me my job at Optiv, which I worked there for two years. Um, and it, it was just a perfect case study to say, you know what, drop your ego. I mean, come on, you know, it, it not only helped me, you know, again, put my career on a better trajectory, but it, it helped me be not only more humble and find out who I was as a man, but in the end, it also helped me be a better provider for my kids, which is what I needed desperately at the time. So again, Raf, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you. You know, but the the other thing that we need to do is not only put our ego away when it comes to asking for help, but it also, we have to put that ego away to figure out what's lacking in our lives. Who are we as people? Be honest with yourself and be ready to take that data that you get from those experiments that you do on yourself and then put yourself through a scientific method. What are the results of my experiment? What did I learn? What can I do to modify that experiment a little more to learn a little bit more, dive a little deeper into me, the subject of my experiment? And then how do I take that and make a better life for myself? And again, that's something that um, I think we're learning a little bit more from the younger generation. So not only um, was I honored to have this talk accepted at HackspaceCon, but the compliments that I got from all kinds of different age ranges and different levels of experience within the industry of those people who were in the audience was truly humbling. Um, and then, you know, you asking me to be on your podcast and you, you mentioned Chloe Mestagi. She also invited me to be on her podcast. And um, who knows, maybe this is something that uh, I start spreading a little more. And uh, uh, I don't know, it, they, they told me that it was a valuable talk even before they heard it because I was sharing some of these ideas with the organizers of HackSpaceCon. And they're like, no, could you please come? We're gonna find a spot for you. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna get you on stage one way or the other because the industry needs to hear this. And um, uh Hopefully, I'm I'm doing everybody justice by by what I'm providing. I think you are. One of the things I think is is good is not all people are open minded our age to listen to the younger people. They're just going to say they're full full of it and they're snowflakes or whatever. But it's I think some people our age and close to our age need to hear it from someone older to really understand. It's not just the young people. And, and I think it's great that you're sharing a message. I think it needs to be delivered from someone like yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, I mean, I've, I've been through a lot, but I, I totally get it. I mean, not only is our ego big when it comes to even our own confidants telling us, hey, you know what? Maybe try this or you're doing this wrong or what have you. But God forbid somebody who's younger and doesn't have the knowledge or the experience or the maturity, you know, to tell me what I should do with my life. And it's like, you, you know what? Take information in from everywhere. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, diversity all the time. There's another great example, you know, take diverse opinions from anywhere. You can get them young, old, different cultures, it, it, take them all in. I mean, that's something that not only did I do, um, when it came to, you know, looking at, you know, life advice, but I also did that because I'm like, all right, I'm on sabbatical now. Um, and I think, as, as I shared in my talk, I really wasn't sure that I was going on sabbatical because, again, it started off very similar to what I did when I put ChicagoCon and uh, DIY Steam on the back burner. Um, I had some life issues that I had to deal with. And 
I had just been, um, uh, I had just recently left a position. Um, in fact, my, my position was eliminated um, from the company that acquired eLearn Security. They were going in a different direction. Okay, fine. Um, and I was actually very excited because I was like, okay, I, I, I kind of feel like this is coming. You know, you, you get that feeling every now and then. You kind of see those crossroads happening in your life and you're like, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's happening. I see this coming from this direction, that coming from another direction. Um, something big is about to happen, some kind of change. So I just had that feeling that it was going to happen. And so I, I recreated um, or reinstated the old company that I had created to do the Ethical Hacker Network in Chicago Con, DIY Steam, and other consulting projects. So I reinstated the digital construction company. Um, but this time I made it as an LLC and I had, uh, I had my, my bank account created, I had partnerships going, I, I had a cage code, um, I even had a couple clients and then again, life happened. And I said, you know what, I really haven't launched this um, in a way to where I still can't take a step back. And so once again, I took that opportunity to put my family first. And so I just put a pause on everything I was doing, including my brand new, uh, my brand new company and the projects that we had going. Um, and I, I took care of those family issues. Well, then one thing led to another and then everything was great. Everyone was, you know, back on the right trajectory. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I spend all this time helping other people do their things. I'm not even sure I want to run a business anymore. I don't know what I want. Um, so that's when I said, you know what? I think I'm going to give myself the best gift of all. I'm going to give myself the gift of me time. I'm going to allow myself, give myself permission to now not just put my family first and take all this time off and put careers on hold, all this stuff for other people. You know, I think it's time that I actually do that for myself. And that's what I did. So now all of a sudden I find myself on sabbatical. I don't want to work, but I don't know exactly what I want to do. I have this entire list of things I want to do. Courses, not only in cybersecurity, but far away from cybersecurity. I have books I want to read, not only nonfiction books, but um, other you know, scientific works, as well as I'm a big sci-fi fan. Um, you know, so there's all these things that I wanted to do, but I didn't have a plan. And... You know, call me anal, but I'm a planner. And so I need to try and figure out where do I want to go with this? But in doing so, and as you and I have done for a number of people, we help them with their careers and we help them plan that out. Well, you have to have a goal in mind, you know, not just a plan of what you're going to do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, but what goal am I going to reach? I had no clue what that goal was going to be. So I even took a step back, and again, going back on that scientific method, I made myself the subject of my own experiments. And so something that I figured that I wanted to do was, where do I stand in this world? What, what do I want to accomplish? Am I too old to change the world? Is, you know, so all these thoughts are running through my head, and those are more big, deep philosophical thoughts. So then it hit me. Follow that rabbit hole. Don't be afraid. Go down it. And so I started studying religion and philosophy. And it was every religion that you could think of. 
It was, um, you know, studying meditation, studying stoicism. Um, I mean, it, it, all kinds of different things that I studied. And it really started to help me figure out, you know what? I don't fit into any one category. And I don't know if I ever really have. Um, and maybe none of us really do. And maybe that was my epiphany is, you know what? Just don't do that. If you find yourself being pigeonholed, break out of it. Because I found that I could take a little bit from all these different areas that I was studying. And that helped me not only find a way to find that thing that I was craving, which was the peace and calm in my life, and, and really how to, how to meditate in order to do that. But then also, what do I find purposeful in my life? And so I kind of took that as, again, my leading principles, and then I kind of went into my sabbatical. Um, so again, I'm rambling. I know we wanted to eventually get into some other topics around mind, body, and spirit, um, which I not only mentioned earlier, but talk a lot about in the Hack SpaceCon talk. So I'll, I'll give you the floor again to either, you know <laughs> what, let, let's have a conversation. Don't, you know, yeah. don't answer or, or don't ask and answer questions only for me. You know, feel free to throw in any kind of feedback or, or thoughts for the audience, because I've learned a ton from you over the years. Um, you have the floor, my friend. Sure. I think one of the things worth discussing is, you know, not everyone has the time to take a sabbatical. You know, some people don't have that savings built up. So what would you recommend, you know, to help with burnout? I know you talk about the meditation and working out. I think those are two important things. Could, if you could kind of expand on that and some other items you think that might be helpful for someone that can't uh, afford to, to take a sabbatical. Sure. Um, one of the things that we've talked about is we actually broke it down into things that you can do for your mind, things you can do for your body, things you can do for your spirit. But if we take it all in its entirety, you're right. Maybe people don't have time to incorporate or do all those things uh, when you're on a sabbatical. So a, a couple things to throw at the audience is, first of all, it's always a good idea. And this is something that, speaking of Ed Scotus, um, that Ed had mentioned to me years and years ago, is always try and keep six months of savings just in case. And at the time, you know, I, I just had uh, my second child. Um, you know, you're, you're working your ass off. You're not that far in your career. Um, it, 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 you know, you, you buy a house, you know, you get married, the, all these expenses and things you got to do. You're thinking six months, I can barely keep a month or two, you know, but if you get it in your mindset, you can slowly start to save. And whether that's with your own savings account or contributing to a 401k, make sure that if you find a job, get a job that not only has a 401k and maybe even some Roth options to go along with that. If you're not familiar with that, that uh, your audience, then they can either contact me or go look it up. But there's plenty of other ways where you can start building that nest egg and you barely even feel it in your own life because you have your employer contributing or your uh, you're putting away just enough to where you're not going to feel it in your everyday life. But now that compound interest is really starting to build. Um, something else that I recommend highly is if you're looking at buying a house anyway, or a condo or whatever it may be, buy something that needs to be fixed up. If you don't know how to be uh, <laughs> a handyman, that's okay. I was there too. I'm a techie. I remember once even my mom said, I know you have all these tools, but to be honest with you, I didn't even know that you knew how to use them. And so 
Um, you, you slowly learn. So you, you take the hacker mindset into almost anything that you do um, and it will pay dividends. So, you know, uh, hack your finances, hack your way into fixing your own house, because then what that'll do is that will take some of that sweat equity of doing the work by yourself in your own home and turn that into real equity, which you can then borrow on. Um, and then you could use uh, something like a, a HELOC, a home equity line of credit to, in essence, give yourself a loan based on your own equity in your property. And then you could do whatever you want. You don't have to tell them or give them an excuse as to why you're using that money. You can use it for anything. So go on vacation, um, uh, help buy another property, do it again, make some more equity or go on sabbatical. So there's a number of different ways that you can do that. Something else I highly recommend is even if you're not that comfortable with it, start looking to learn how to invest. And whether that is investing your own money um, on the side or something else that you can do is when you create a 401k through your company, it depends on where that company holds your 401k retirement money. But if it's in something like Fidelity, which also happens to be a broker, you can actually break away that IRA account from whatever investment vehicle it was using. It's still an IRA, so it still has all those protections, but now you can use that money to actually trade. So that's a cool idea, and it's a good learning experience as well. No, no taxes on, on that front, um, at least if it's a traditional IRA, no taxes to start. Just throwing out, eventually you will. Um, you know, if it's a Roth, then you've already paid the taxes, so you don't have any taxes. So there's a number of different ways to do that. Um, look up things like adding extra revenue streams, um, you know, not just the one job that you have or buying a house and having that as a revenue stream. So you could buy a, a, a second or third property, rent that out. There you go. There's a revenue stream uh, like you do, um, you know, give talks, sell books, um, create a course. Uh, there, there's all kinds of different ways, you know, build a larger presence on social media. You know, but there are lots of ways to have those additional revenue streams. Just be careful when you're out there on the interwebs looking up advice. Um, caveat emptor, because there's, there's a lot of charlatans out there. But what that can eventually do is very much like it did for me. I wasn't planning on going on a sabbatical. It was something that just kind of came and I realized that it was something that I needed to do for my own mental health and for my own well-being. Um, but now I had that nest egg and it wasn't then just for that six month time frame that Ed had recommended, I could go well beyond it. And that gave me the freedom to say, you know what? I could go do anything. I can go travel and meet my son in San Diego. I can go take a trip to Florida with my daughter. I can go to hacker cons and not have any responsibilities whatsoever. Just be there and enjoy the education, enjoy the people, enjoy the community and, and just, you know, wing it. So yeah. those are all the things that you can do. I don't know if that answered your question, but there you go. Sure. That, that was great advice. And just, I think one of the things to kind of add to that is, is learning to live in the moment. So I would say that, you know, that probably off, offered you the opportunity to do that. It did. Um, it, something else that, that I did, if we want to get into, you know, living in the moment. And part of that is also not only recognizing what's beautiful, but what you find beautiful. 
and other things in your life that work for you to, again, give you that time or that frame of mind in order to appreciate those things. Um, so, yeah, some of the things that I did um, is, <laughs> and, and maybe it's because I'm older, um, and so I'm feeling like you know, there's, <laughs> I'm on the other side of the hill, so there's, there, <laughs> there's less time ahead than there was in the past. Um, but, but something that I also do to try and squeeze in as much as possible is I always recommend that people do double duty on things. Um, and I'll eventually get to how this is something where it also helps me appreciate um, what I do and also that most precious commodity, which is time. But doing double duty on things is like um, not a simple example. If you're going to go take care of the dishes, you know, um, one of my favorite books is, is called, uh, you know, uh, Make Your Bed. Uh, by Admiral McRaven, where he says, you know what, have those little wins. You know, if you start off the day with a little win, even if it's something as simple as making your bed, then you're setting that precedence for the rest of the day to where it's like, okay, not only did I get up and do something, but I accomplished something today. Then that sets for, okay, well, what's the next little thing I can do? Well, for me, honestly, that, that's doing the dishes. Um, okay, I probably should have done the dishes the night before, but Sometimes I just don't. I'll let them sit and soak, but I know I eventually need to get back there and do it. But then what I'll do is it actually gets me up knowing that I have to go to the kitchen and do that. But you know what? Before I do that, why don't I throw a load of laundry in so that way it's doing its thing while I'm doing the dishes? Well, what else can I do at the same time so two things, three things are all going on at the same time? So you keep expanding on that idea and things like working out. Well, listening to music is wonderful. I do it. I highly encourage it. Um, it's it, it's something that I find uh, amazing. But change the music you listen to. Not just change the music you listen to. How about change what you listen to? How about an audiobook? How about uh, a course online? How about a YouTube video that is giving you advice on investing? So these are all things that you can do, especially when, I'm sure you can attest to this, Event, once you start working out, you've been doing it for so long, you kind of put your brain on autopilot. I know what my routine is. I know what I'm going to do. I don't even have to think about it anymore. And so then what I do is um, I start listening to uh, those audiobooks. So again, now I'm doing that double duty. And very similar to what we often do when we work out is, um, well, eventually the stretch isn't good enough. The weight isn't enough. Or we're doing the same exercise over and over again. So let's, you know, uh, get rid of that muscle memory, you know, that we, as they call muscle confusion, let's introduce something else so we can overcome that, those workout plateaus. You know, do the same thing with your brain. Do the same thing with the other activities in your life. If, if you're finding that you're getting really comfortable with the idea of working out and listening to an audiobook, well, stretch a little more. So, you know, just like we do when we're working out, stretch the ability. So instead of just doing it at regular time, now do it at one and a half times speed. And now you're going to go through that book even faster. Try it at double speed. Try um, listening to a topic that you have no clue what it is. And even though you don't understand it, you start hearing these words over and over again, and eventually they'll click with you. So those are just some things that eventually, um, you know, again, to come back to your original question, 
are those ways that it, it allowed me to enjoy the little moments and, uh, and, and not only that, but also to incorporate these routines into my daily life to where I don't just think about it anymore. Now what I do is I crave those times because that's a way for me to not only enjoy the moment, but to make the most of that moment because now I'm shutting out the rest of the world. I'm going downstairs, I'm working out, I'm listening to this, and whether that's a meditation or music or uh, a course, a book, nonfiction, science fiction, whatever it is, that's putting my brain almost into its own space. And now I crave that. Now I don't feel as though it's so much of a chore to get up and say, you know what, I'm gonna go work out now. It's like, no, I want to go work out because I crave that, that time. I crave that moment. Very, very good. Very good. Great, great advice. I mean, one of the things too, uh, uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, podcasts or audiobooks or walking or some cardio where you've got something where it's kind of boring and you just really want to quit. You know, you just kind of get too bored because you're, you're bored with it and you just want to walk away. But if you do something, like you said, watch a YouTube video, uh, listen to an audiobook or podcast or something like that, then you're able to, it's able to hold your attention and, and it kind of serves that double duty, as you mentioned. Yeah, it sure does. It's, uh, it, it's something that, that I find you could do while you're working out, while you're driving, while you're walking, or, you know, what, what, uh, honestly, I think it's also a fantastic idea to get outside, get some sun. It's good for you. Obviously not too much. Um, as we've mentioned a number of times, balance and everything. But something else that's really good is going outside to do yard work. I love getting my fingers in the dirt, you know, get some soil between my fingernails. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's, it's not only good for the environment, but you know what? It's good for your yard. Go pull the weeds by hand. And while you're doing that, listen to something. So now you're doing something that is grounding you to the earth, you're doing something for your body because you're outside in and physical, but then you're also doing something for your mind because of whatever it is you're listening to. And, and again, if you can do that double duty, triple duty here, I just worked on my mind, body and spirit all at the same time while making, you know, the, the value of my house better and making it prettier and making me feel good every time I drive into my driveway, you know, or other people see, you know, where I live or how I'm living my life. You know, those are all things that just end up feeding on each other. Um, you know what? And it makes you feel good. And every now and then, it's okay to feel good. <laughs> it doesn't, not everything has to be a chore. Not everything has to, um, you know, be a stress on your life. These things that can actually help you be a better person, be better in your community, be better with your family, they're, they're not only good for you and everyone around you, but it's okay to make them feel good too. Don't be ashamed of that. Great advice. Just to get a good point there for people to focus on is building those those healthy habits and the the points you made about double duty. I think that's very important. Yeah, there's. I don't know how many books are out there about you know the you know habits of healthy people or the habits of successful people, the habits of rich people. Um, you know what? You find out what your goal is. Find out what's important to you. If it's money, great, then go do those things, you know, the top things that people recommend to make money. Um, 
if it's giving back to your community, find out those things. But again, experiment on yourself, figure out what it is that you want, what you find important, and then start to incorporate those things. So not only does it make you better, but it actually brings you enjoyment, fulfillment. Those, those, those ideas are, are not counterproductive and they're not um, mutually exclusive, as they say. Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to, to join me today, but unfortunately uh, we need to, to wrap up the episode, but, but thanks for joining Don. No, thank you so much. Again, I appreciate you having me and giving me the honor of being on your very first episode of your brand new podcast. Congratulations. And as I mentioned, don't ever forget to take that moment um, to appreciate what's in your life. And you, sir, are absolutely one of those. I adore your friendship. Thank you so much. And congratulations on all your success. Thank you. It's an honor to have you and an honor to have you as a friend. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.